Good afternoon, my friends. What a beautiful day here. 60 degrees in Pennsylvania. Clear skies. Tomorrow's going to rain on us, and then the weekend's going to be nice, if not a little bit cooler, which is okay. So I want to tell you guys a story from back in the day. I was just talking with my buddy, recollecting of, um, I don't know how we got on this topic, but jog my memory of some things that occurred. Oh, I was telling a story yesterday on the podcast briefly about some things I encountered on the road when there were, uh, it was like a tractor trailer that was disconnected in the middle of the highway, and then there were Flagger Force guys with, their signs were fucked up, and crazy shit. And so we're talking about distracted drivers because, of course, for a very long time, before the shit hit the fan with the coronavirus here, you know, there's other problems in the world, and one of them is car accidents. A lot of people die and are injured in these accidents, and when you think about it, it's quite a bit. I was listening to a podcast a while back. They were talking about how incredible it is, actually, that you can give a pretty much a child, you know, a 16 or 17-year-old the responsibility of driving a two-ton vehicle. All you got to do is sit for, you know, take a little written test and do your driver's exam. And you can go out there and ride around with your own missile on four wheels. Seriously. I mean, people, it's a lot of responsibility. And yet we assume this responsibility, you know, we're out there cruising around, burning up the freaking, you know, on this, these two-lane roads and driving across the freaking country and every day we're <clears throat> going in and out of work and school and shopping centers. It's, it's pretty incredible that there's not more accidents on the road. As I drive up slowly behind a pickup truck and a dump truck, who are doing their, getting their occupational work in. So, (laughs) we were talking about distracted driving and shit. I remember when I was a kid, I was a teenager, okay, I'm, I'm thinking 16... Because I had, I would have been driving my own vehicle. 16, maybe 17. I had my permit. My one buddy was a year or two ahead of us. Stayed back and missed the cutoff date, you know. So he was an older, he was, he had, he was probably 17 at least, maybe 18. And his father had given him this big black van think he used it for work as a painter for years. So it was a big back plant, big black van with a remember had a three speed on the column. So that was an awkward setup. So nobody could basically drive it without him. And then sometimes in order to get into third gear or one of the gears, he had a fiddle with it and kick it and mess around with the transmission a little bit somehow. 
in order to get it shifting into gear. It was a tricky thing to find that gear. Because it was a beat up black work van. So we would go to this gym. It was called Dynamic Fitness. This place was the fucking spot. Meatheads like you've never seen. I'm talking, this was like right after the, um, well, this is the 90s, the early 90s. So maybe even 89, 90, 91. I'd say 91 because I graduated in 93. So Tim had his license. We'd all pile in the black work van and head to Dynamic Fitness. All these meatheads would be there. We were trying to put muscle on, you know. We're trying to friggin' get big, get strong. And we would do this together. We would go to the gym, which was a couple towns over, in Tim's work van. We'd all pile out and freaking have a great workout, get back in the truck. I remember the first time after we, we worked out, I could barely get out of the van. We did legs. And I was a little skinny guy at the time. And, uh, again, Tim had a, a year or two on me. So I step out of the work van and I bottomed out. I hit the ground because my quads were so fatigued. And it felt good to be a young man working so hard, training, reaping the rewards of the hard work with the iron. And like I said, this is a freaking, this is like a dungeon of a gym. So you had free weights, machines, a posing room, bodybuilding was still kind of relatively popular before it got, you know, way out of uh, control with steroids and superhero physiques and all that shit. And these guys were there, though. I mean, these guys that were actively competing were there with their fake tans and their, their steroids the whole nine yards. And so we go in there and punish ourselves and start putting on mass. And that's what we did. We would go to Dynamic Fitness, drop our $40 uh, monthly membership off, stumble into the gym, have a great workout, and stumble out. I can remember the smell of that place. They had a juice bar where they would make all kinds of you know, protein things, creatine, you can add this, that, and the other thing. Uh, the guy who owned it, what the fuck was his name? Vinny. Guy named Vinny owned it. He, was a, he had been on the professional circuit for a while. His wife was a bodybuilder, fitness model the whole entourage. It was a pretty interesting place. Um, my father had gone there for a while. <laughs> so he, he was the one who got me into weight training when I was a kid. And this focus on becoming big and strong and manly. We would pursue that at this place. Dynamic Fitness, Beachwood, New Jersey. Um... So we're on our way to Dynamic Fitness. Tim would pull up with the van, wave to the family, whatever. We hop in and we would frickin' take off. Head to Beachwood, shooting the shit, listening to Metallica. Remember the track we always listened to back then was uh, Injustice for All. Great track, you know? So there was some beef that one of my buddies had with a guy in the neighborhood. His name was Tony. Uh, the guy who was jerk off. We had it in for this kid. He was going to fight somebody. He was going to do this. He was picking on somebody's kid brother. He had done something to offend someone. So there were words that were exchanged. And my, 
you know, then we were kind of on the lookout for these guys for a while. Like, we would call it being after somebody. Oh, such and such is after me. I'm after him. Or, you know, you know Tony is after me. Right? That, mean, that meant that somebody was going to look for you and, you know, put a, you know, beat your ass, basically. Violence wasn't, you know, violence was pretty much left on the playground or in the abandoned lot. There was, you know, somebody, there was a lot of fights that I had attended. I had been on the scene for in playgrounds and in sand pits and out in the woods at parties and stuff, shit like that, you know, so it was pretty common, but, you know, people get their ass kicked and they'd get up and wipe their face up and, you know, maybe they'd have a newfound respect for one another, whatever. Maybe they'd fight again. I remember seeing these things quite a bit growing up. I was rarely in them, but uh, I, I saw quite a few of these fights. So we were on the look. We were after this kid, Tony, because he had done something pretty disrespectful, as I remember. And so we, were, we had it in for him. We're driving out of the back roads of our town heading to the main roads gonna head up to the friggin dynamic fitness we see a little car that Tony and his his band were in his band not a musical band but band of friggin turds these little loud mouth fucks I think they were druggies and they had this fat girl that would uh, hang out with them it was one of their girlfriends or whatever and she had just gotten this brand new little car I remember it was a Ford Fiesta or a Festiva or something. A little gray thing with some teal and pink accents or something. A little tiny car. And they were all piled in it. And somebody in our van said, hey, that's her car. That bitch. And we're all laughing and carrying on. We, we follow them. Now they know it's us because Tim's unmistakable black work van. And we're chasing them around. And Tim is fin- fiddling with his three speed on the column and turning, you know, turning, uh, corners like it's where the A team were chasing them around. We chased them around for what seemed like 10 minutes up and down everywhere. They stopped. We would try to get out of the car. They would take off. Finally, they had had enough. We had chased them down. They come to a stop in the middle of the street, some back street in Lacey Township, New Jersey. come to a screeching halt, and we're like, all right, so we get out of, the, out of the van to go beat the shit out of these guys. The Ford Festiva is placed in reverse, and they ram us from the front. They back into us. I mean, it was probably 25, 30 feet between us. They back up full speed, all the acceleration they could get going, given that distance, and they ram us in the front. Now, we're in a big black work van. We felt a little bit of a a jar or a a thudding sort of, you know, mild shock that that they would do that. And when we felt that little impact, we're like, holy shit, right underneath us, we're sitting up high in this big work van, looking at this big front bubble window. The rear window in the Festiva it shatters. It goes everywhere, man. 
pieces of glass were in these dirt bags hair it was on over the front hood of the van um, and they're shielding themselves the little dirt bags in the car hunkering down and now we're getting out of the van again because they're hooked up on us somehow it turned it turned out that the festiva this little car's bumper was stuck under our big bumper of the van as we go out to get beat the shit out of them they're like let's get out of here so they hit they freaking floor it and they were still hooked up to us they started to pull the van with it so they're pulling the van despite it being in gear now the van is being pulled by this freaking little rice burner car fast enough that we were panicked and ran back to the van jumped in hit the brakes and they were dislodged and off they go extending their middle fingers out the back calling us names and we just sat there on the road as some of the neighbors in the surrounding area walked out and said I saw that I saw what they did so the cops came and took our report and thankfully there nothing really came of it you know because they fled the scene and and in fact they did try to hit us with the car so somehow I think they weaseled out of that there might have been a court case but I was not called as a witness or anything but my buddy uh, that I told this story recently he said well you know what what would you do if your son or your ch- your child was involved in something like that when they become a, when they come of age you know how, what would you do how would you feel about that I'd feel horrible. I'd feel, you know, my response was that testosterone is a, is a terrible drug. It's a, it fires us up, and, and we got a, had a group of guys in the car, and it was like a, something out of freaking, uh, you know, a movie. The sharks and the jets, or the greasers and the socias from the outsiders. We had testosterone surging through our, our uh, systems, and we were meatheads, you know, ready to go punish ourselves with weights. We're doing friggin', we're listening to Metallica, and we felt invincible, and we had it in for these guys. I think for a justifiable reason. But, you know, we, that could have ended very badly. Now, these days, somebody would have had a gun, or would have gone to get one, or exact revenge. I mean, it's not good, clean fun anymore, right? We don't even, kids don't even spend as much time outside, and now the world, for whatever reason, seems like it's a a very hostile place, so the notion of just beating each other up in the schoolyard seems to have been escalated to, like, you know, grave concerns, like, this could actually be a life or death situation. This is one of the one of a few that I've been in in my life, a life or death situation. But I was pretty zany, and I'm glad we lived through it, and I think it was a a pretty good story. Some crazy shit that went down. I'm glad it didn't go any further. But yes, raising kids today with an 11-year-old and a a 13-year-old next week for Sam, he's already, you know, really getting exposed to the peer influence, and his buddies are bringing whatever they whatever thoughts and experiences they have into the conversation and it's tough 
And I think that the case, thereby a case is made for play, for really being out in your environment, for spending, unfortunately, we can't do it right now with the pandemic, right? But a case is made for getting out in the environment of our community. And playing, affiliating ourselves with the people and the things in our community. Heading down the park, playing a pickup game of basketball, you know? Playing a sport, understand what it's like to have to compete. Encountering, you know, good weather and bad and good and bad people tough situations, problems that you need to solve. You need to have the skills, skill set to have you know, the sense of a billy goat at least so you can get out there and and negotiate your way through life. So, yeah, you know, some of the stupid shit that I did that, that I'm not necessarily proud of, but I always had a little bit of a healthy fear that I kept in my pocket uh, that I would later discover it was essentially just a little bit of uh, a vigilance a healthy fear, a, a, a wariness against conflict and uh, bad situations. I think, I, I told my friend and I'll, uh, that I was speaking with, and I'll tell you now, I think that it's situations like this, some of the trouble and experimentation that you undertake in your youth that, that, ha, that can make you as an adult, because if you learn those lessons, you learn how to deal with these problems and you're able to adapt and realize wrong from right. That's what we're trying to do. So, switching gears a little bit, trying to tell some stories. Love and respect. Talk to you guys soon.